the island of saints and scholars and gum beans and fucking arse lickers. You sure gotta climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Hello folks, welcome to the Saint and Scholar podcast. This is your weekly, although we've had a couple of weeks break, catch up with me, Mick and Colin, my American cousin, currently in North Carolina. Um, he is our scholar. And uh, Happy New Year. Uh, we've had a bit of a break. We actually recorded a Christmas podcast and then I didn't release it because uh, I got busy with Christmas, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry about that, Colin. Um, and congratulations, Colin. Colin is uh, an, a new uncle. He didn't have to do anything, I suppose. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's an, another member of the Powers family. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm mostly excited because uh, when I lived in Jordan, my Syrian friends used to kind of make fun of me, but mostly in a term of endearment, they used to call me Al-Khal, which is like the uncle but it also means like the boss man. And they call me this because I used to like, they'd stay out, you know, drinking tea till like two in the morning every night. And I'd go home at like 1030 and they're like, listen, Khal has business to take care of. And you go. But now I actually am the uncle, you know, so that's. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty stoked on that. I'm delighted. I'm delighted for Sean. It'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting adventure. Um, the lads. If- have if there's any justice completely. in the world, if there's any justice, that kid is going to be an absolute menace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a oh man. He's a, he's got a kick-ass mom and a kick-ass dad, and he'll do just all right. He'll be great. Yeah, he'll be grand. He'll be grand. So come How's here. Um, big news in America. Big big news in America. Um, I hear the Browns made the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been quiet. Yeah, um, um, Browns made the playoffs, and they've had a, a COVID, um, a COVID uh, shutdown, basically. Um, so, yes. as they say, um, as goes Ohio, so goes <laughs> the nation. Yeah. So, yeah, the country's pretty brown at the moment, and uh, lots of COVID. Yeah, um, we had quietly four thousand deaths yesterday. Yeah, yeah, not mentioned a lot. Fucking hell. Um, I've read uh, different bits on the new strain and the degree to which it is a new strain or whether it's kind of, you know, I I can't quite, but it seems like there is legitimately a more um, pervasive new brand, fresh for 2021 of the COVID. And we we don't really have that yet. So just think about what we do once we get it. Yeah, we yeah. we have it here and we're at over 6000 cases a day and you have to remember we were at like 300 we 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 went down and kind of plateaued down at about 300 cases a day and then the week before christmas they kind of opened up retail opened up a few bits and pieces and now we're at 6000 plus cases a day and we are close to getting in trouble with hospital capacity just in the space of a two week opening so um yeah, it's everywhere. It's in our neighborhood. Um, and we've gone back to the level of lockdown that we were in uh, in the early stages in March. Yeah. So, look, uh, to be honest, I think I think everybody's kind of pulling together and we will get a handle on it pretty quickly. Uh, the kids are out of school. The kids were supposed to go back to school on the they decided they were initially supposed to go back to school on the 5th or 6th of January. And then they were like, oh, no, we'll put it off until the 11th. And basically everybody knew that the way the numbers were going, they weren't going to go back for a while. But hopefully we'll get them back to school before March. That's kind of my my view on it. So yeah. there's all of these like teaching from home stuff and whatever the usual shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's um. I was a little bit puzzled, to be honest, because like you, you guys have enough uh, government competence and kind of public trust in government that like you were able to do actual shutdowns, you know, and yeah. I was just I was just thinking like, why? I know it's the holidays and stuff, but it's a fucking day. Like, what are we yeah. talking about? You know, like, yeah. 
come on. I, yeah, I'm just we so were, confused by a number, a number of yeah. countries did that. And I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah, one Christmas, you don't get, like, come on, Jesus. Yeah, man, it went it went bad so quickly. I think they weren't expected. We obviously have the new strain over here. There was a, oh, God, Luke O'Neill, Professor Luke O'Neill, um, out of, is it Trinity? I don't know. I think it's Trinity anyway. Mm. But um, he's uh, an expert in all of these virus things anyway. And he, he's really good. He comes on the t- he comes on the radio every morning and he comes on the TV at night. And he had a really interesting um, bit where he had this like 3D printed model of what uh, uh, COVID-19 looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and half of it was like the old strain and mm-hmm. half of it was the new strain. And he was like, oh, look, the new strain has these new little proteins on the end of those like crown things, which apparently mm-hmm. like attach to you better. Yeah. And yeah. so the, it's it's and so it's more like pervasive. It doesn't go away as easily and, and it infects much quicker. So, yeah, I mean, but like it was, oh, man, like we were doing so good. We were down to like about 300, 200 and something, 300 cases a day. We plateaued there. And we were maybe having one or two deaths max a day. And now we're up to like close to 20 deaths and six and a half thousand cases a day. So it's like things went downhill so quickly. And how is the vaccine rollout going over there? Well, it's actually it's I mean, I don't know. We didn't get in obviously our orders quick enough. <laughs> you think we'd have some pulling power with all the sort of tax dodging stuff we do with the major you, pharmaceuticals. Well, you should have just raided the factories, surely right <laughs> in your hometown. You know? No, uh, basically what happened with Ireland was they're making, I think they're making the Pfizer one in Belgium, but all of the other pharmaceuticals that were made by Pfizer, for example, in Belgium have been shifted over to production in Irish plants. Um, I see. So yeah, we're pumping out the Viagra but uh, not so much the vaccine. Um, so, but uh, when it comes to rollout, um, look, I'm sure it'll be relatively quick. My uh, Eilish, I don't know mm. if she's already had it, but she's going to have it in the next week or so. Um, mm-hmm. She works in Crumlin Hospital. So they've mm-hmm. chosen, uh, okay, so obviously there's all the old folks home, are going, all the old folks home, homes are going to get it by the end of, of the next couple of weeks uh, yeah. to, to month. And, Uh, They've chosen hospitals like Crumlin Children's Hospital. So they've chosen a pediatric hospital and they've chosen different hospitals. And and as opposed to rolling it out into like uh, sort of demographically based groups, they're rolling it out into institutions. So it's like this hospital will be safe and that hospital will be safe. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. They're they're trying to sort of hit hit geographical positions tactically with it. Look, it, it'll happen very quickly when it happens, I believe. I, I mean, we had major orders in for the AstraZeneca one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what's going to happen. Um, they're cycling through the, the, the rollout of it as well in hospitals. So apparently the second dose can get you a little bit sick. Um, mm-hmm. Not like terribly so. But they don't want to lose a lot of staff, like as in give everybody right, the first dose simultaneously. Yeah. So they're like cycling it over a few weeks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at least there's a strategy. <laughs> I'll, I'll give well, us that. <laughs> well, have you heard about what the great Andrew Cuomo is doing in New York? No, what's he up to? Fucking bollocks. Uh, they're going to have like hundreds of thousands, if not more doses expire, essentially. So the 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 state had built like a proper rollout plan, right? Yeah. And they're ready to go, ready to execute. And then Cuomo, because he's a megalomaniac, he's pretty much Trump, but Italian and from like a different borough. You know what I mean? He is yeah. every bit the same monstrous idiocy, self-delusion, grander. Anyway, he's like, no, no, because I'm Andrew Cuomo and I wrote a book about leadership under crisis. I'm going to have me and my team intervene and, and drop a new plan. And because American bureaucratic competence at this stage, it's not, it doesn't do like, like in the 50s, they had to get a polio vaccine or they might have been in the 30s to all of New York City. And they did it in a month. Uh, Yeah. They found everyone, every person in this city and got them this shot. But we don't do like finding everyone. What we do is excluding people that are not within the means tested category of deserving this. Yeah. And so- he has uh, set up this policy where if 
he's charging only hospitals can administer it, nobody else. Okay, so that's a new wrinkle. Then he says if they administer it to a person who is skipping the line, who is not eligible under the current criteria, they're going to get fined a million bucks or whatever. And then if they end up wasting a dose because they can't find enough of the people in that category, whatever, they're also going to get fined. And it's like with the vaccine, the goal is to get it to as many people as possible. Yeah, now, that is this. You, you don't want line jumping, I guess. That's a bad thing. But yeah. the goal is it's a net positive if somebody gets the vaccine. <laughs> Doesn't matter who. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's going to box that up. But I guess we have bigger fishes to fry here in America, <laughs> as it turns out. So this is my my constant struggle is like people like him drive me absolutely insane. And then you have like complete <laughs> lunatics on the, op- on the opposite side. And it's just like, Jesus, I need to leave this place. It's going to drive me mad. But <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, the Dems won Georgia. Uh, they did. Hel- hilariously yeah. and brilliantly. Um, I yeah. got to say, like, that, that brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, I mean, Warnock is cool. He's like a cool, like, kind of radical preacher. Now yeah. they, they've, like, they've slapped him on the wrist for, like, you know, giving speeches in church where he's like, the dignity of a Palestinian life is every bit as, you know, worthy as the dignity of an Israeli life. And they were like, I want you to take that back. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and he did kind of uh, walk away from it and make some noises on the scourge of anti-Semitism and such. But in general, like he's a pretty cool dude. Um, the other guy's a doc maker. Yeah, Asaf's kind of. He, yeah. He's probably a little bit less cool. He's kind of a, a little bit of a millennial sort. Of, I don't know. I just I wouldn't be as as into him. But the fact is, they ran like a progressive campaign. Pretty much, they just ran on this uh, cash. Two thousand dollar cash. Yeah. Yeah, and they they forty acres and a mule. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and they fucking stormed it because yeah. like. It also, like, you know, um, as much as we have, like, particular groups suffering acutely from things, whether racial or otherwise, I think there is something appealing about universal programs, you know, it, 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 and something that, like, it doesn't turn people off. And it yeah. should turn everybody except, like, the American Chambers of Commerce to be like, yeah, this is cool, you know? So absolutely, it seems like a winner. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. The Dems, the the sort of democratic establishment has to be kind of like a bit spooked now because <laughs> they have been given the tools to yeah. administrate uh, effectively and boldly. And now they have to go out and do it. And I'm, I'm enjoying like I follow uh, Bernie and AOC and uh, a few of the other uh, crew mm-hmm. or is that what it called the crew. Is that what they call themselves? The I don't squad. know. The squad. That's the one. I couldn't think of the yeah. right term. But um, I follow a few of them on Instagram and look, obviously the last 24 hours has been a little bit different, but like they are going to hold feet to the fire from the first minute to the last. It's like you have the power. Now you have to like make good, you know. Um, Well, you do. You you have you have to make good or you're going to get wiped out in two years. That's exactly. And you're going to have much worse than this thing again. Uh, yesterday's carnage notwithstanding Trump is at the end of the day like a buffoon with a fleeting grip on on you know cognitive uh coherence you know what I mean so like yeah he, he everything is just half assed half considered half measured you know but you'll get worse than him you know naturally and and it this this kind of stuff feeds on on particular material conditions that doesn't mean like those conditions alone drive this but it feed it feeds on that it's um a necessary but insufficient condition for this you know what i mean so it won't guarantee you right-wing populism but you can't have right-wing populism without this yeah these kind of material conditions and so it's i think there's there's awareness even in like the non-left of the democratic party and like the intelligentsia, you know, there's people like um, Ezra Klein say, okay, so he, he started Vox Media and he's like, yeah. a, he's like a, a thoughtful liberal kind of centrist in the intelligentsia or whatever. And, and like, 
he's been shaped by the recent times as much as others have. And he's like, no, if we, you need bold policy. You need to change people's lives or, or this stuff. And that's like, that's different than 2010. You know, that this wasn't. It is so different. And like Chuck Schumer is even different than he was, at least um, publicly. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do. They, they have a mandate. They have uh, essentially free money they can borrow. You know, the treasury bills are yeah. you know, 1% interest pretty much, uh, a 30-year treasury bill. So, like, um, they, you know, they should go for it and they can go for it. Uh, I, I don't think <laughs> Biden's probably the least. And, you know, there's a couple other guys in the Senate who are less aggressive by nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a concern, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, the whole mood is the 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 the, mu- the mood music has changed entirely. Like, uh, I remember obviously when Obama came to power. Like, and we like to shit on Obama in this pod, and you know, and rightly so. But the mood music surrounding the United States and how it's run and how its people are doing in general has shifted entirely in the last twelve years. Like. Mm-hmm. When Obama came to power, it was kind of about hanging on, like the policy seemed to be hanging on with your fingernails to the status quo. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're we're kind of papering over the cracks and that's okay. It's like stick with Mm -hmm. whatever the tried and trusted is and, and move along. And I think we're at this new point now. And like, maybe I'm wrong, but it's, it's like you said before, what's that Lenin quote or whatever, there are decades that happen in a week and decades mm. where nothing happens at all. And it really seems now that we're at a, a new point like this, mm-hmm. uh, like it's so critical, the pandemic, the fucking attempted coup, let's be honest. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> it's fucking, yeah, I read, I read a, I read a funny, uh, I read a funny tweet about it. It was like, um, due to tav- travel restrictions, America has had to, uh, uh, <laughs> Keep its coups at home. <laughs> <laughs> it had to coup itself. I saw it. There's a lot of funny stuff. I mean, obviously, we can talk about it uh, more generally, but I saw one dipshit clearly Googled Georgia flag. <laughs> and he got the country of Georgia, of course, but this idiot from Georgia doesn't know <laughs> his own state flag. And so he hoists it on his petard. He's got Trump. <laughs> Pence thing and the Georgian national flag. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, obviously it was, a, you know, when you read about, you know, how Che and Fidel, you know, seized the state in, in Cuba or any of these, you know, Mao's long fucking war against the, the, you know, the kind of right-wing nationalists or, or even Lenin and the Bolsheviks. Yeah. These are the kind of class of people we were dealing with yesterday, as you can imagine, just <laughs> serious people. They had thought through the consequences of their actions. They were prepared to, you know, suffer, suffer for their cause, which was, it seems the cause is that they like the one guy who talks gibberish on the stage. That seems to be the extent to which they've um, developed an ideology. <laughs> like that, uh, that, that lady, um, Oh God, lady, uh, that was killed. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I, I, like you, you don't like, you know, doing character assassination in, in, you know, after somebody's died, posthumous. whatever. <laughs> posthumous, like, but like it takes five seconds to look at her Twitter and look yeah. at the absolute nonsense she was spouting <laughs> going on, like yeah. a QAnon like person. Yeah. What the actual hell? All of the right-wing media today, though, including the TV media, is saying this was like an Antifa false flag attack. <laughs> I know. No, but this is like they live in like a completely different universe. And it's this is like yeah. you're going to have to kind of wage essentially like a long war on all this shit. You know, on disinformation. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I saw. OK, so it was driving me mad. I, I saw that somebody had tweeted about that lady and I was like, look, she existed so much in a world of ignorance, like pure stupidity and white privilege and disinformation that mm-hmm. she thought that she could invade the houses of fucking parliament mm-hmm. and uh, where where the 
Secret Service or whoever, the, the mm-hmm. protectors, armed protectors of, of the politicians had fallen back to a position behind closed double doors and barricaded with chairs and stood behind it with guns. She thought that she was like too white or or too like whatever. Yeah, to, she probably thought she was going to be welcomed like Caesar. <laughs> you know, like the conquering And she like kind of threw it like... Get back or we'll shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then she goes through and she gets shot. And it's like, there's, a, you know, that's what happens. And um, and now you have these, like, I'm going to call them snowflake fascists going yeah. like, she was unarmed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. if a person climbed through your window mm. and was there in the window about to get in and you had your gun pointed at them and there were going to raid your home you didn't know whether they were armed or what they were going to do and you said get back or I'll shoot and you shot them <laughs> like these are the very people who'd be like well that's our right and yeah uh, and so it but, is yeah the um well I, I first I had I just need to get this out because it just occurred to me as you were you know in Zoolander when he smashes the computer because he thinks <laughs> the files are in the computer <laughs> I feel like that's sort of what they think is in like the houses of Congress that there's just yeah. like the power is papers. there. Yeah, the and there's just like there's, there. there's papers that being like they're like this is how we stole the uh, whatever you know. Like, yeah. th- just there's like printed out folders with all that information contained there, within. But yeah, I think it's it's what's really strange about like the whole thing was kind of meta and it was like cosplaying an insurrection yeah. you know it, it was like and it was all being recorded for these folks trying to like raise money on a patreon account for other lunatics who like yeah. fund this you know and it does have real consequences on others and occasionally on a person like that one lady but for the most part you then see these clips of these people like at their marriott later that night and they're just like sitting in the lobby having a chat you know what I mean? It's like they didn't consider that they just challenged the state. They oh, yeah. didn't just like oh, literally yeah. violate the metropole of the American empire. And the fact is like they're not really going to face consequences, it doesn't seem. Whereas like the FBI and others ha- have created like this perverse mythology around what do they call them? Like black identity nationalists as if these people are trying to like seize seize the government and it's after the nuclear codes, you know what I mean? And, but they, these folks are just kind of like, uh, they're just out for the crack kind of, you know what I mean? And and that is like the privilege of their position in society. They were treated like they were out for the crack by the Capitol police. Yeah. At least by some of them. Yeah. At least they were by a whole bunch of them. Like, yeah, I was looking at the footage live and I'm like, Oh my God, they're like smashing the windows. They're doing whatever. Like, let's, I, (sighs) I'm not a sadist, but I was hoping somebody would drop a whole shitload of tear gas into the middle of them. And like, maybe you take 20 of them out in the stampede trying to fall down the stairs. But like, that didn't even happen. They shone some disco lights at him and set off a few flashbangs and that was it. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, saw it and then they escorted the these old ladies down the stairs and like, yeah. was like, you know, took selfies with them. Yeah. And you saw what they did this summer, you know, but part of this is because DC is not a state. And so they requested the National Guard and they requested kind of the more serious kind of folks and they were denied essentially at first, you know? And so like, I mean, yeah, the the contrast, there was that, which I, there was kind of a logistical issue, I suppose, as to why you didn't have the the real boots on the ground, but then the contrast to how they treat or perceive different groups was very (laughs) pronounced, you know, like we saw endless endless doc- documented footage from this summer of cops kettling yeah uh beating the absolute shit out of people you know yeah. um just all kinds of like really counterinsurgency kind of style tactics and they have learned counterinsurgency from our returning fecking soldiers you yeah. know um i saw this yet, i saw this yesterday one. they literally yeah. let the, the capital be seized they by, let it, they, yeah you know? like they just let it happen like i saw like the reality of it is that if at every door you had an armed person and they just took one out maybe you would have lost 10 more people 
might have been killed, but nobody would have walked into the capital and like trashed the gaff. Like, mm-hmm. and that's how it should be. You should at least be able to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, oh my was, God. I also, I saw um, in 2007, I, yeah. there was a big anti-war march. Yeah. And at the front of it were a bunch of veterans who were against the war after returning home. Yeah. And they were like, brutal, like beaten up badly by uh, these like essentially same police officers, maybe a different generation of them like laid on the ground, you know, yeah. arrested, taken back. And they got, and that was a huge crowd. It was like a hundred thousand people also marching, you know? And yet these, these fellas, uh, were parading around. These guys, look, these fucking hardcore Trumper QAnon, absolute lunatic fringe morons living in their own carefully constructed, deluded bubbles, like, they're not that great in number. No, that said, 70 million people still did vote for that lunatic. But, I mean, there was a couple of thousand people there. Maybe, maybe what, 3,000, yeah, no. you know, yesterday. And that's not that great in number. But, oh my God, you got to stamp those fuckers out. Like, I saw, <laughs> I was I was beginning to talk, that lady who was shot, um, somebody posted something, like, very sensible about it, going, look, there, it's not that, like, you know, black people or the BLM people are like happy that this lady was shot or anything like that. But the reality of it is this is what she was doing, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just followed by like <laughs> post and post and post of absolute nonsense from the hardcore right QAnon people. And my response to it was like to the first guy who made the original sensible argument was like, this is not how these people understand. What you got to say is she's not really dead. It was a false shot. She was actually cleaned up and put in a truck afterwards. And they took her to the White House where she met with Donald. And now she is going to go fight the pedophiles with him. And they are yeah. more likely to fucking believe that. Yeah. Like, more seriously. likely to believe that Trump, a frequent uh, companion of Jeffrey Epstein, is the ultimate uh, anti-pedophile kind of well, that's what these the that's world. what these QAnon people believe. It's absolutely well. Yeah, you know, their their mythos is is fascinating. You know, one of the big things is JFK Jr. is like the hidden imam, essentially. Which is there's a strand of Shiism that believes like the Mahdi is going to return at a, a particular time in the future. So he's like the hidden kind of he's the hidden imam right now, and they kind of believe J- JFK Jr. is also going to like reappear at some point in the non-defined future and kind of seize the the state i guess and 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 get all the pedophiles um but i got a minute like jfk jr who was at the bottom of the ocean yeah. in like 1999 yeah. i remember right. that as a headline <laughs> he was flying out to martha's vineyard or something i, I remember it being the big news i was over on my j1 i was sitting yeah. in my little beach cabin um, well, he was a, he was a bit of a heartthrob kind of back page yeah. new york post guy always with uh you know socialites so he was yeah. he was famous princess die kind of type uh for yeah. america you know um but yeah so it's but there's all these other kind of strains that also on the on the general kind of right-wing extremism um or extremists it's like uh they have like the mcveigh style timothy mcveigh kind of white nationalism and that has a long kind of genealogy and and, and influence within law enforcement and that's yeah. a big concern like these people aren't scary but they the fact of the matter is they have plenty of kind of partisans within uh, yeah. within the american security state and that's that's a reality um and so you know if they ever had kind of basic competence you know one, one can fear that um with with some direction if you have all the people with arms you know that things well, can happen um yeah, sure. Like, I listened to, uh, this is, you know, I listened to a, an interesting um, sort of synopsis on the Iran-Contra affair. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be the most, not for you because you're an American, obviously, but wouldn't it be the most hilarious poetic justice if it turned out that the Ruskies and the Chinese 
were flogging arms to Lord knows where <laughs> to fund Yal Qaeda and Vanilla ISIS, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think they don't even need to go through those layers of money laundering. They're getting financed just fine here at home, you know, through Patreon pages of fucking morons. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, speaking of Iran Contra, it reminds me like none of the people who did that face consequences. No, none. Elliot Abrams, in fact, worked for the current White House trying to coup down in coup Maduro down in Venezuela. You know, like they literally, whether they were pardoned officially or just kind of quietly ushered back into high society, no consequence. Sure. HW became the prez. <laughs> for yeah. sake. You know? Yeah, but I'm talking about like Elliot Abrams literally was running like Oliver North. He was like yeah. literally point man on this stuff. Like he, he funneled millions of dollars to the wrong bank account. Meant to go, I told you this, meant to go to the Sultan of Brunei, went, went to the wrong guy. You know, it can happen, okay? It can happen. But uh, again. Imagine being that, that person who just show, like shows up one morning, checks their bank account, and like the United States has put millions in there. Like, oh, hmm, yeah. should I say anything? <laughs> yeah, but like this guy literally, he was pardoned and then had to do like community service. That was like for his role in a, a giant criminal conspiracy. He got... A little bit and he complained like he like wrote op-eds about like how unjust it was that he had to do uh like community service which probably sure, was like sure north north stood up and he had his whatever senate hearing or whatever it was and he basically was like there are difficult decisions that have to be made and like yeah. the weepy the weepy fucking uh, like yeah well that's the thing about conservatives they are such yeah. a bunch of pussies like they always yeah. like you know what i mean they're kind of he, he shined up his he shined up his medals and put on his like <laughs> fucking full uniform to go face them and then try to do like try to do a softly softly uh version mm -hmm. of jack nicholson in uh, a few good men you know there are <laughs> men on walls you know blah but he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. there are difficult decisions that have to be made and like i'm a you know, quiet sentinel you yeah. guys can enjoy your dinner party yeah. but deep down you need me selling those arms through the drug networks so that the, we can somehow maybe finance a reactionary group of pro-shah forces to take back Iran one day, you know? Like, the, the hilarious thing was, basically, the guy who was running point from the Iranian side, so obviously, like, there was a, an embargo on Iran, which is, you know, mm -hmm. funny, you know, so they weren't allowed to sell them missiles. Mm -hmm. So, and there was the hostage situation with Hezbollah at the time. So, like, this guy says, yeah, I, I kind of, I know a bunch of moderates in Iran. Or this is, like, my understanding of, I know a bunch of moderates in the Iranian government and we can work a way around this and get your hostages back, but you got to flog us some, you got to, you got to sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, grease the wheel. So uh, the United States sold a few missiles initially. And then he's like, no, that's not enough. we got to get a whole bunch more missiles. And so they bought all these <laughs> other missiles and then fucking Hezbollah send them some dead bodies or a dead body, I think particularly. And it was like, well, you didn't say, you said you wanted them back. You didn't say in what condition <laughs> you wanted them back in. And that was what the guy said. And it right. turned out the guy had no links to the fucking Iranian government at <laughs> all. There was no like moderate fucking fringe element to the Iranian government at all. And like he had just been, he owed the Iranian government $70 million or something. And uh -huh. he was just a fucking total shyster. Like he just, <laughs> he just screwed them. And um, yeah, and, and, and this, so they sent it back to all these unsecured bank accounts, all this money back to these unsecured bank accounts. And there was fucking a bunch of, American bureaucrats who had access to these funds, who were like living it up in fancy houses in Chevy Chase or wherever, I don't know, wherever mm -hmm. rich people live in, in, uh, in, in DC and had lovely swimming pools and they filtered the rest of it down to the Contras who weren't a popular group, who oh. didn't, who like, they were basically like, I, I don't know what you describe them as, but they were a fringe element themselves. They were right-wing paramilitary group that was like yeah. constantly committing war crimes. <laughs> Con no, no, constantly. Like you're talking about, I, I can't remember, there was a, uh, there was a really interesting stat on it, but there was like, I can't remember whether it was 1,000 something uh, acts of fucking killing or whatever. And like 80 something, like obviously the government uh, was, uh, was reactionary to them, but mm -hmm. like 80 something percent of all mm -hmm. of the fucking killings and damage was actually done by the Contras. And there weren't mm -hmm. military targets per se. The Contras were like moving into a village and saying, all right, mm -hmm. support us or we'll kill you. 
mm-hmm. and then the village were forced to give them material support and then it was either be killed by them or be like victimized by the government after the fact for supporting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And anyway, the commies in power were out the gap after like mm-hmm. four or five years anyway. And it was like, oh, it was, it's a democracy. That's how it works. You get to vote them out. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? No, it's it's absolutely insane. And the same when you were talking about the the guys pretending they had connections in Iran, the same thing happened in uh, the first Gulf War yeah. and the second. Second more, the second more, there was an Iraqi banker who had been in Jordan forever, who then his bank went complete tits up because um, he was a crook and a crony his whole life. And then he kind of convinced the CIA that he was like super plugged in in Iraq. And, and like they just gave him like so much money, so much money over time. And he was just a complete fraudster, you know, and, and every step of the way, CIA is kind of feeding this and and this seems to be a recurring theme. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I brought up the kind of lack of consequence because um, like th- there, there's people that need to be dealt with. Um, yeah. You know, uh, that includes Trump, um, who is like, I guess like what most people are thinking now is that he's going to kind of retain his his faction of the Republican Party in the in the House is going to that's going to be like the Trump Republicans and then the Senate Republicans who have suddenly grown pious um, after riding this wave, after fomenting this wave, after building it so they could yeah. advance their own kind of economic project um, and the you know the general project of kind of minority rule over the United States. All of a sudden, these guys, after you know, after building a Frankenstein for decades, they saw the Frankenstein get up, and they were like, "Well, Jesus, <laughs> this is terrible," you yeah, know. And so, yeah, we got okay. That I mean, that's that's an okay result. That's better than the alternative, right? But like, if they want to now be let back in to kind of um, within the pale for for our political system. That means like they need to be entirely subordinated. They they can be um, okay. We we don't need to go to war with them, but their role in whatever coalition is to heal this country is that okay. You guys are responsible now. You Koch brothers, all of you other idiots. You need to build new media institutions. You need to go to those evangelicals and give them a kick up the fucking arse. You know you need to go out and re-socialize these people so that they're no longer crazy. If you don't do that, we're cracking down on all of you forever you know has to happen the alternative version of kind of um bipartisan consensus is just like um we just like continue to compromise with their current position and that's how we form a unified whole again it's like no 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 the bipartisan consensus would be that they just in exchange for not getting cracked in the face that they get to kind of go under who the only the only reasonable parties in the country they they just accept their leadership, and then they work to discipline these lunatics for the rest of their time in public office. But there's no like, okay, these are the fine people, so let's compromise with their current position and our current position. No, 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 that can't be the solution. And if that is, we're heading right back further to disaster. You yeah. know what I mean? So agreed, agreed. Totally. I agree that they can be in a little coalition if they accept. A subjugated position in that coalition. If they do not, then they need to be treated as an adversary, just as bad bad as the lunatics in the house, and just as much as as these, you know, the freak shows on the street. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see if uh, <laughs> we'll see if the Democrats have the, the Bismarckian skills to fucking pursue that. But that that's that's what has to happen, you know, and and. Um, wouldn't it, to, wouldn't it be like, I can't say a coup anymore. <laughs> but like, wouldn't it be uh, fucking amazing if, I'm not going to say the Democratic Party became like the law and order party all of a sudden and was like, ah, every single face that we have breaking and entering in that place, we're going to fucking burn them down long term. And everybody who incited that violence, we are going to use every shred of our resources to to make sure that they see justice. And that includes the current president. 
I mean, is that possible? Well, that's that, this is because that has to happen. That like it has to like you have to tilt it back towards normality because, like, <clears throat> there's no way out of this if if the nonsense that exists on the right remains like in the close to mainstream. It has to be crushed. Like, there's no option but to crush it because if it isn't crushed. It will just keep rearing its head up in the in the in the wrong economic circumstances or in the wrong sort of like like any time of trial in the United States, any like difficult time economically or whatever, like these fuckers are going to come back again. Yeah, so I think I saw someone right and I think it's it was a very um, discerning um, analysis is that essentially like uh, American liberals have gotten mad because the left actually takes their claims seriously. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, um, liberty and, and whether, whether it's individual or not, and you talk about justice and you talk about the law, we're like, yeah, okay. Those are like, okay. So long as the laws are good. Yeah. Let's, let's apply them <laughs> fairly because that's a just society. You know what I mean? And so that's not what, Typically, it's there's laws for the non-elites and there's laws for elites of both parties. You yeah. know what I mean? And and an unwillingness to use the law against those who are kind of in the the upper echelon of our yeah. society, whether financial or political or otherwise. You know, and so what this requires is kind of um, a, a, you know, just like a simple application, non-discrimination, uh, non-discriminatory application of the law. You know what I mean? So if where there is crime, where there is malfeasance, where there is, you know, bad deeds and bad intentions, you, you use um, the law to prosecute it, you know? And, and this is what's, you know, what's so funny and odd about the kind of the more austere, um, gentlemanly Republican class, you know, like, so like these, these people in the Supreme Court were quite, uh, and then the, the people that got them there and, and the sort of McConnell wing of the party was quite happy to kind of use all of these nefarious forces to kind of slowly co-opt institutions and the rule of law itself so to advance this bigger political project which you know the conservative project which is yep. sort of just like a hierarchical elite dominates society corporate dominates society yeah um these forces eventually became something that threatened <laughs> the law itself you know and so it's like yeah i guess from here guys um we can be okay with with having a law bound society, but it can't be your laws because you know the way you guys have <laughs> have manipulated this whole system is what got us to the point where now the law itself is in jeopardy. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, man, Jesus. it's really this checking wheels within wheels kind of stuff. You know. Um, but how's, it, how's Biden going to sort it out? Like, I would say, how's Biden? It's not all down to Biden, I understand. But like, you know, does he have like, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, look, he's he's been ambitious his whole life. You know what I mean? And like, mm -hmm. it took a long time, but he's he's at the top seat now. And I'm sure he's delighted to be. Um, like, is it a retirement home or is he actually going to do anything? Does he just want to be like, like he was when he was Barack's buddy. He was Barack's cool buddy and everybody loved him. Like, does he want to stay like that or does he actually want to lead? Like, do you think, is there any sign from him that he actually wants to really lead? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he he has the kind of megalomania himself that he does think he's the man history is called upon. He's the man on the white horse. The problem is like, you know, if we look at his own record, his idea of healing the country is is kind of re reaching pro forma consensus with the other responsible parties of the Repub Republicans, and it's like there's no point in reaching the consensus 
with these folks that is going to continue to feed the conditions. Yes. That gives rise to yeah. the stuff outside that consensus. Exactly. You know what I mean? So again, like, yeah, I, I think the, the the country probably does need to see a ratcheting down of, of public tensions. You know what I mean? And occasionally that means putting an arm around a Mitt Romney or somebody who I would otherwise not really like as a guy. Um, but you need to address the the kind of structural causes informing this and then you need to like find some way of aggressively going after the media and everything else that feeds this and that is going to require a creativity with how we deal with tech companies and yeah. and you know the media deregulations that bill clinton brought into but frank that was all bill clinton um and the, like the tech stuff, like I, I think we talked about this in the pod that didn't get aired. So, it, that was when I was talking about like how crappy the internet advertising was, right? Yeah. Was it on the one we didn't air? So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, I won't re- repeat. I'll repeat myself just to you, but not to yeah. anyone who's listening. Um, <laughs> like essentially, uh, for Facebook and Google and YouTube, and you know, okay, they deplatformed some of these right wing guys, but in general, um they've made billions of dollars um, claiming to corporations and otherwise that they have like the most targeted information on users. We can direct your advertisements perfectly. That is, you know, empirically bullshit. Um, nobody under like the age of 65 ever looks at a, an advertisement um, on, on kind of um, or does them, or does their best to block them or says yeah. I don't want to see targeted ads because they're just a pain in the hole like yeah. that's that's what we all do we put up our yeah. ad blockers we use a browser that doesn't have ads or we adjust our feed to such an extent that you know okay we might get the odd ad for something relevant to us but like our minds are trained to actually for the most part skip them all they give us is brand awareness for bigger brands and uh, we're so cynical, cynical, skeptical is the mm-hmm. right word. Sorry. We're so skeptical of anything we will see in our feeds. We're like, oh, whatever. Like there's stuff I see occasionally in my feed. It's like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? And most people like and, I, and I'm I'm like close to target because I'm, you know, married and settled and I have kids and like, you know, there's an income and blah. And I'm like exactly the person that they want to be targeting. But like everybody, nobody younger than me gives a shit. Nobody yeah. like and I don't give a shit. So I'm like, I'm just on the edge of who they might want to see. And I don't want to see them, you know? Yeah. But as a result of this, as a result of the fact that anyone who has basic competence in the internet knows how to screen this stuff. The only credibility that Google or Facebook or any of these people have in selling their space to um, a a corporation is by saying, well, there's one segment of the population that I can guarantee you engaged with this. Yeah. And those are the numpty fecking idiots of the boomer generation or the, their younger counterparts who are just numpties and don't understand how yeah. this works. And as a result, they have changed their algorithms and otherwise to kind of feed the psychoses of these people to bombard them with this right-wing media because they know that that trips the synapses in their brain and they keep going back. And then they can go to the, the corporate buyer of the ad and say, look, look at the engagement of this user this is like really valuable attention I can sell you. And so they built their business models kind of on selling bullshit to these crazy people. And they've, you know, they boosted Ben Shapiro's and other crazy right-wing media people because that stuff is for whatever reason, giving an endorphin rush to these, yeah. these numpties. And they are engaging with it like big time. Yeah. So you have yeah. like the media themselves, the Ben Shapiro's who's like a centrist on the right-wing crazy yeah, you know, framework. Then you have the platforms, like all of these, this entire ecosystem is implicated. You know what I mean? And and like it needs to be unwound. Um, did you see did you see our boy uh, last night, Donny O'Sullivan mm-mm. on CNN? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Like a Kerry lad in the middle of like that whole mess. And uh, 
I, like, he had obviously, some I'm, line about he's like these fellows are wearing military gear, but it's almost certain none of them have ever served a day in their life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was very he came down very hard for like it's funny because you typically you know you have your on the street reporter, mm-hmm. and your on the street reporter is typically like describing the scenes right, and that's what he did. But also being a Kerry lad, being an Irish lad, he was like, this is all Facebook's fault. This is like, he just like came out and said, it's all coming home to roost now, lads. You've like, you've made millions out of this. You've done whatever. And he just, he just went off on one. And uh, it was funny, like, because it's not what your on the street reporter talks about. And then they had him like back in the studio because they're like, Jesus, this guy's really trending. People are actually listening to him. So then they had him back in the studio where he reiterated all of these things. He was like, like Facebook, Google, you know, Twitter, blah. Not so much Twitter, to be fair, like Twitter is in trouble in a platform. And I have I have a very soft spot for Jack Dorsey. I think he's fuck as all the billionaires go. He's a kind of a funny billionaire. Like, yeah. And he loves trolling Trump. (laughs) He loves it. Um, But uh, I noticed something because I'm on Facebook and. I'm on Facebook primarily because obviously I have relatives in the United States uh, on my wife's side. And that's how we kind of keep in touch and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, communicate. But I was noticing that some of my American friends, uh, you know, lefties, blah, whatever. They were engaging with a lot of what was going on yesterday. And I engaged with some of it like I was making, you know, smart ass comments or whatever. But I noticed when I went back to the feed today. Mm-hmm. My feed was almost purely uh, simple uh, Irish stuff. Mm-hmm. So the algorithms were not churning back up mm-hmm. uh, the controversies from the previous day, which they mm-hmm. always would uh, because it would trigger my engagement. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. as a result, I looked at my feed and my feed 100, I'm like 100% my feed had been readjusted to leave yesterday behind, uh, yeah. leave what happened in America yesterday behind. Well, there Facebook's entire DC office is run by Republican operatives. Um, and that was all Sheryl Sandberg hired all these guys. And they, yeah. you know, they've all, they, Zuckerberg quite publicly has leaned pretty heavily into, you know, Republican establishment and, yeah. and not even establishment, like kind of Trump, Trump wing stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I found it's like I, I was like, I was really surprised by that today when I went up. I was like, oh, that's really funny. Um, yeah. So I had to go looking for like some shite I had posted. Um, I was like, oh, I wonder what blah, you know, Dirty Socks 75 said about blah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like I had to go digging for it, but I found it. But I had to go digging for it. So uh, my feed had certainly been tailored away from what it would have naturally or normally been. Um, I had I had a, a friend of I say a friend of an extended family member from uh, my wife's side. And he posted. I found it really funny because it related to a discussion that we'd had previously and something that you made some very good points on where he basically his you know, Facebook status was the definition of terrorism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it was like, these people are terrorists and here's why they're terrorists, blah. Right. And my comment was, I feel that it's really important that Americans remember the definition of terrorism. It's not mm-hmm. like, as you explained to me, and like, it's sort of like triggered in my mind, of course, like terrorism is the act. It is mm-hmm. not what America decide when America decides somebody is a terrorist. It's not anything they do. Uh, right. You know what I mean? It is a right. it is it is a defined act. And I would basically post it. I was like, look, remember what terrorism is. It's not something that a terrorist does. It is a thing. It is a fucking act. Mm-hmm. You know, people well, need to the, remember. That's it. what's been so funny about um, the conservative response. They're like, this isn't conservatism because conservatism is law and order therefore as a conservative supports the law a conservative could not have done these acts it's the same it's the same kind of logic as the the terrorism versus terrorist thing there you know what i mean it's like 
by by definition of me being a member of this identity group, I couldn't have done the act. Don't you see? Regardless of whether I in fact did the act, I couldn't have done the act because I am part of this identity group. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, man. There's a lot of uh, mental gymnastics you need over here, Mick. If you ever come back to resettle, you gotta, you have to stay pretty sharp up here. All right. Come here. I don't know if we will resettle. I was looking at your newsletter there, man. No mystery that you guys are spending way too much on healthcare, but. <laughs> What the actual hell? Your life expectancy is tailing off spectacularly. Like, what is this? But it also, it peaked, it peaked five years below like anyone in the global north. Yeah. And we're, the the highest anyone in the global north is spending per capita on health is like six, six thousand five hundred bucks. And we're at like 10,000. So we have, you know, a 50% increase in spending compared to the highest comparator. And considerably <laughs> lower. Considerably uh, lower, like like yeah. almost ten years lower than the fucking Swiss or whoever is the highest. Like that yeah. is crazy. And expect those numbers to drop even lower with yeah. our current rampage. You of know, course. so it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's a broken society. You know, I, I think the U.S. is going to make England's decline look elegant. Like, I really think that, like, it's going to make them invading the Suez with the French and the Israelis in a last ditch effort at staying relevant. It's going to make that look like a sensible patrician's move. <laughs> this is like the, the United States in its fucking death thralls is going to be patently Ug- insane. Ugly. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that said, look, I mean, we don't know how it's going. Like, I had a funny one. Uh, I went out to the front yard. I was looking at the sheep. I get into yeah. the sheep actually in a while, but I was out in the front yard this morning and there was a delivery van yeah. parked out the front and there was some, oh, I don't know, like brown person in it. It doesn't matter who, who they were, but like some Indian guy or whatever um, yeah. driving the van and lovely, friendly dude. And um, I hopped out and I was like, I thought he was trying to deliver something or he was lost mm. or whatever. And I was like, oh, how's it going? Uh, and he was like, he showed me his little like thing, his little mm-hmm. fucking, you know, tracker thing. And he says, is this the whatever the air code? So we have postcodes now. You may know that uh, for the mm-hmm. front, like, which is hilarious. We never had postcodes. You used to be able to write something really random. Mick, your man <laughs> with the funny looking head in <laughs> Carlo. He's lots of hair. John's son. Uh, you know, and it would, the letter would show up or the package would show up at my house. But anyway, we have these air codes now. And and this guy at the front was like tagging our house. And um, he was like, oh, we, we noticed that you have had. Now, we don't buy from Amazon. Like very mm-hmm. rarely we buy from Amazon. Myself and Jackie are kind of like anti-Amazon. But mm-hmm. my sisters have their stuff, which they mm-hmm. do purchase from Amazon, delivered to this house. Because this is obviously the, the mm-hmm. central hub of the O'Donoghue complex. Right. And um, the guy was like, you have had many deliveries and we just want to ensure that this is correct because uh, Amazon is uh, relocating to Dublin. So basically the logistics and warehousing is moving the fuck out of uh, the UK and the mm-hmm. Amazon organizational side is moving. He's like, it's moving out of the UK. You will have no problems getting packages anymore because it used to be a hassle because it used to have to go into Amazon.co.uk and then certain things didn't ship on Prime and stuff. This is a complaint that my sisters have had from it. Yeah. And I'm like, that is funny. That's funny. That's like the Brits are losing Amazon. The Brits are going to lose a lot out of this. The Brits are going to lose Scotland. Like you saw (laughs) another thing I saw in your newsletter was and I'd seen it before was that uh, Sturgeon said that Trump is not welcome to play golf in uh, in Scotland while the inauguration happens. He can feck off because it's not essential travel. But basically, there's going to be there's going to be another border poll for the Scots. And it's going to happen for the Republic as well or for Northern Ireland as well. And you think you think America is heading into decline. I mean, the United Kingdom will just be like Wales and England. So what do you call it? Wingland or? <laughs> Wingen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's. It's like it's it's not it's not going good for the Brits either. It's no, not going good no. For them. But, yeah, I was thinking more of the uh, initial um, 
disarticulation of the empire, you know, in like the fifth after the World War Two, I think that that's going to look very, very sensible in comparison. Um, but yeah, they uh, the one thing I think they're going to retain. I saw this really interesting. So essentially, the fiber optics from the the ones that go under the Atlantic, yeah, and the ones that go to the continent from the Atlantic, they all run through London. So like the one of the reasons beyond historical that London is this finance hub is because like transactions going to the US or otherwise kind of logistically need to run through yeah. the south of England. You know what I mean? And so I I wonder how the whole Brexit stuff will affect their kind of um their centrality to to the kind of financial system too you know we'll see i think uh, i think what the only thing that counts against dublin as regards financial services now is its housing difficulties um mm. i think look i think we'll get on top of it i look it's look like, this is how housing works it's like oh there's a housing shortage prices go up um uh, oh my god you well know, do you a, have a, a, i was just reading about um all my research now is on kind of um, the Gulf, U- UAE and Saudi, and and both that are kind of meddling elsewhere in their own stuff. Um, and so I was reading a lot on on money laundering in Dubai and the real estate and kind of all, all the stuff with with kleptocrats and criminal enterprises, or terrorist financiers, whatever. And I know like a lot of money obviously runs through New York and London too, right? They yeah. buy up these very lug- these luxury flats. It's a perfect way to, to property clean your banks. Money. Yeah, yeah. And I, does Dublin have like that kind of stuff or not really? Is that no. affecting the housing stock? So they don't have like the no. scarcity because of shakes buying up. No, it's not. It's okay. uh, there's not there's not so like there's it's not shakes. Like it's just yeah. you know uh, local shite hawks yeah. basically yeah. Si- sitting on sitting on property that should be or could be developed, um, yeah. but they don't want to get through the hassle of that, and they'll just like. They'll make bank as the property value goes up and they'll sell it on or whatever. And nobody will ever develop it. And they'll just, right. you know, they'll just cash in without any effort or whatever. Anyway, there's lots of reasons. There's no development happening in certain areas and yeah. risk, risk and whatnot. But uh, I think if if Dublin does become a financial services hub, I think they'll get on top of the I think they'll get on top of the housing crisis. Um, yeah, they'll need to do, I think, I you know, this. Uh, we can we can wrap up here. I know uh, Ocasio Cortez is trying. There's a bunch of these like procedural rules with public housing in the U.S., which came into effect. I think uh, my wife was telling me with, with Clinton that put like hard limits on the amount of uh, a spending that you can do on, on on public housing. Yeah, but I think um, you know Dublin will need that just as uh, other because like the you know market forces just don't they don't serve that need and and it's outpriced you know in a, in a context of profound income inequality and wealth inequality it prices out you know the the vast majority of people from ever you know even renting a home comfortably never yeah. mind owning one you know so it, you'll need a big public role i think in, in developing land too and hopefully we had a, we had a, i won't say we had a great history but we had a decent history in public housing yeah, in mm-hmm. ireland um and we just left it behind completely mm-hmm. for the last sort of 40 years almost 35 years basically very 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 little public housing of of value built um you should have a look yeah. at uh red vienna's history because when they did public housing you know way back in the day it was like the emphasis was like this is going to be beautiful this is not like cutting costs this is not rudimentary this is like yeah. we are proud of the state acting in a yeah. old and confident way and we are going to build the most beautiful things that people are going to live in you know it's possible uh but um yeah i liked i was in berlin uh, a long time ago now 10 years nearly now um and i spent some time i was couch surfing this is pre pre airbnb yeah. um and i was i couch surfed in east and west berlin and in the east, I stayed with a, a lecturer from the university in her apartment, which had previously been her parents' apartment mm-hmm. during the time. Like she was old enough mm-hmm. to have remembered, obviously, the the wall mm-hmm. and the division and whatever. 
And it was, I'm not going to say it was like brutalist uh, concrete mm-hmm. building, but it was an awesome apartment. And mm-hmm. like these were the family homes that were built. And like they are maybe a little Spartan, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in stylus, in, in, in its, in their style, but they're fabulous. Like good public housing mm-hmm. is fucking great. <laughs> like yeah. really, you know, you don't have to spend a fortune. Like you, you don't have to spend a fortune. You can come up with like cost effective solutions to housing people, you know, uh, especially with open planning being aesthetically <laughs> in now, you don't even have to put up walls, just, you know, a giant <laughs> box. What's what does that cost? It's nothing. Uh, but yeah, we're probably running long now, are we? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should leave it. So, um, we've been, uh, Satan scholar, uh, talking shite as usual. Um, sheep next time. Sheep next time. Yeah, it's lambing season, man. You gotta, we gotta, we gotta have a catch up on that. Uh, I've, I've got a, a request to put out there to the people about some, some weird disorder one of my yo's has, and I, I don't know what the <laughs> hell it is. And I took some pictures of it, and I haven't seen anything like it on the internet. So anyway, um, <laughs> she's not. If she's not dead by next week, uh, I'll be asking again. Um, we've been Saint and Scholar. Uh, thank you very much, and. Um, yeah, we'll leave it there. And a shout to our, our new fan from Tyrone. Yeah. From Tyrone. <laughs> Tyrone. Oh, yeah, shit. Um, oh, yeah, Gary, good man. We'll, we'll chat to you soon. <laughs> We're anime, totally insane. They pushed me on and paced me. Anime.